0: Friends and welcome to But I Digest. My name is Hans Rufert. My name is Steve McBonna. This is our twelfth episode, which in my book makes it about a dozen. <laughs> so I'm excited about that, and if it's your first time joining us, But I Digest is a semi-regular podcast where we feature a specific food or drink or ingredient, and we trudge through the backstory, through the bogs to harvest the red-ripe facts, flooding the fields so that the best anecdotes float to the top, and our topic this week is cranberries. There you go. There you go. Well, and
1: you finally got it through. Should we tell everybody? It took you four times of stuttering to get through that.
0: No, because uh, that's why we do multiple takes. But thanks for <laughs> thanks for sharing that. Uh, it could be Just that a little behind uh, the scenes the uh, the cranberry uh, tea that i'm drinking uh it makes my mouth a little dry because it's so tart that uh, it's not really refreshing it's not what i hoped yeah. it would be no let's uh, start
1: with the excuses it's a perfect play yeah start exactly right I was, I was, let's start there.
0: yeah <laughs> well so uh, gosh you'd think by 12 episodes we'd get the hang of this but no it's a new adventure for both of us every time um well so yes yeah, so cranberries or we wanted to talk about that now it i don't know what time you listener are joining us, but we're uh, we're taping this in November, and Thanksgiving is in fact next week. What did and you just
1: say? Is next week
0: Thanksgiving? Is it not?
1: Yeah. Did you say Thanksgiving? Is it not Thanksgiving? Well, but I just—do you have the emphasis on thanks? Are you—is that what happens down in Georgia? Is it oh, Thanksgiving I, versus that... Thanksgiving up north? Do you say know... Thanksgiving? Uh, yeah, I do. Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's just a different uh, emphasis. It's why our country is so divided.
0: Well, and if we had, uh, if if somebody tried to break into my house, I would call the police. Don't do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I didn't. We I mean, were talking about Thanksgiving. I did. I didn't know there was a day. Now funny. I'm very, uh, I'm now very self aware that I'm stuttering <laughs> and I don't know how to pronounce this holiday that's happening next week. Um, I'm so
1: excited for Christmas. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, I thought it was Christmas. Uh, anyway, um, we think of the cranberry as a holiday food, right? It, and it, and I think that's sort of been sort of shoved aside as a as a holiday thing. But really and truly, it's uh, it's available all year round. But let's talk about you know typical me. I want to talk about what we are talking about uh, for cranberries, and there's a bit of a German connection. And anytime there's a German connection, I'm going to point that out because um the berry originally came from the german word "Kranbeere," which is named after the bird crane and so the when the early settlers came they called it craneberry speaking of putting the emphasis on the wrong spot and those uh, Yankees, as you guys sometimes do, kind of change the pronunciation and somehow cranberry sort of devolved into cranberry, as we call them in the South. Um, but they're called craneberries because the actual flower looks like uh, the head and neck of the bird, the crane. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting that, yeah. um, that it's based on the name of what the flower looks like. And cranberries or cranberries are in the vaccinium family, which uh, given recent talk about vaccines, I thought that was interesting that the Latin name actually has the name vaccine in there, uh, but it's related to blueberries, huckleberries and bilberries. Uh, and in German, they're also called cranberries, but the wild cranberry are called Preiselbeeren. And that's kind of what I remember as a kid uh, picking in uh, actually in, in Norway too with my uncle. We would go and pick the wild cranberries, and they're very small, little, bright red, super super tart berries. And they're, they they seem to like to grow in these sort of marshy, you know, coastal areas, uh, and definitely like the colder weather. Yeah. And the um, in England they're known as fin berries. F E N fin meaning a lowland boggy or marsh area. Where uh, but in northern Appalachia here they're called those called bear berries, which I love the name bear berries, uh, because early settlers once uh witnessed bears eating them. Um I mean, probably bears then ate the early settlers, uh, but they, those settlers <laughs> but Didn't they a- see
1: the bears eating a lot of things? Wouldn't it been like that's a bear fish and that's <laughs> you know that's a bear bee like i uh, I don't i don't think i'm buying that Hans. no well that was you can uh, tell these people that but i don't think i'm buying it
0: i also thought the same thing and one so one of the other names they're also called bounce berries because apparently when they are perfectly ripe if you throw them to the ground they bounce but it kind of got me thinking are there things called thud berries like the ones that aren't ripe that hit the ground and or splat berries (laughs) the one that you throw to the ground and they just splat Totally um, a splatberry. I totally eat a splatberry. A splatberry cocktail sounds uh, sounds Ooh. delicious. Um I don't know. Now that I say about too many times, splat is starting to turn sound like a not if not a very delicious thing. But um anyway, so but let's talk about the uh, they are also not called this, but they are floatberries. And if you've ever seen how they harvest cranberries, it's really fascinating. Um they are raised in these sort of man-made bog areas, or at least the commercially raised ones. And what they do when the, the berries are ripe, they will flood those fields and they is an elaborate irrigation system along with an elaborate drainage system uh, where they can it completely flood the fields up to about a foot, foot and a half of water. And they go through with this machine that vibrates the plant. So, it actually goes through and shakes uh-huh. the the entire fields that it basically separates the berry from the little, the little vine or bush. Yeah. And they float to the top and then they can use basically nets and just skim them right off. Or in larger operations, they have these drains where they it's almost like pulling the plug in a bathtub and all of the berries then just float on the top and then go down the drain and you harvest all the berries that way, which is pretty interesting. Is
1: so cool. And I bet you they're reusing that water. I've learned quite a bit about how they are trying to be um, very careful about how much water is being used for this, because obviously that's, that could be a big waste. Can I tell you a story? I'm of course. Gonna, yeah, gonna, please. I'm going to go off, not off topic, but we had this, uh, this guy who worked for us, he was a bartender and he was from Boston. And he really wanted to go and see the cranberry bogs one year. He said he wanted to work it and see what that would be like. Cause he grew up around it. Right. So he meets somebody and he says, yeah, you can come work in my cranberry bogs for a week. So, So he goes over there and uh, the guy says to him, okay, some other people working with you, warning you, there's this one old, uh, you know, Massachusetts Bostonian guy, his name is Dick Ward. He's gonna be working with you today. So Bert's like, okay, what's weird about that? He goes, oh, you'll see, you'll see. So Bert's in the field and it's, you know, the bog comes up and this guy comes out with his hand outstretched and he goes, hey, Dick Wad, how you doing?
0: <laughs> so every time I see very I always think dick wad how you doing I did not see that coming. I was already trying to like <laughs> see where is this going, but I forgot about the dropping of the Rs. Uh, that is awesome. It's not the best story. <laughs> that is awesome. And now, uh, now I get to think about that every time. Uh, every time yes, I think of uh, our listeners, that's
1: our listeners. Yes,
0: of course. Well, you're welcome All right, for so that. Go on. Did, you, awesome. did you
1: want to talk to us about cranberries? Whole stuff. Uh,
0: I do a little bit, uh, but the, the last thing that's I think cool about the flooding of the fields is um, the berries don't ripen until sort of late September, getting into October, and in that area, in, in the northern climate. It's, they can get frost a little early, and if that happens, you might, uh, you know, the whole, you could lose the whole crop to an early frost. But to protect from an early frost, if there's frost coming, they just flood the field, and that that layer of water oh, over yeah. the top of the berries basically is like an insulation, like a blanket, a very wet blanket uh, that protects the crop for, you know, the for the cold snap. And then they drain the water back down again, uh, and then when they're ripe, then they'll flood them and then and then agitate them. Uh, and then uh, then harvest them that way so I thought that was neat too that in addition to being a harvesting method it's also a bit of a protection method so
1: hmm.
0: kind of cool in Florida do the same thing if it's going to be a frost they'll spray all of the uh, the orange trees with water to kind of blanket them with warm water so
1: anyway I didn't know that save a little for some future episodes oh that's true there, that is
0: true I'm a I am a cornucopia of weird knowledge but uh, back Next to our cranberries cornucopias <laughs> cornucopias Um so um, these berries, which are kind of ubiquitous in all northern climates, as I mentioned, I've picked them in Norway. Uh, they grow up in in Canada, of course, in the northern U.S. Uh, they grow in all the way up in northern formerly USSR with you know Russia all the way up there. Um, so they they do like that colder weather, and when early settlers came to the U.S., they were introduced to cranberries from the Narragansett people. So the Narragansett was a Native American tribe, and they used uh, cranberries in uh, natural dyes for clothing and and ceremonial gear. They used them in medicines, but they also used them in something called pemmican. Have you ever heard of pemmican? No I have not. Well, I think we should, because it sounds kind of interesting. It's a bit like uh, sort of the original protein bar. It's this mixture of dried meat, animal fat, and dried berries. Uh, and it was it really was this sort of dense. Like from the pictures I've seen, it really looked like a bit of like a power bar or a protein bar. And it's it was this high-calorie food that, because it was all dried and it was also protected in this sort of preservative layer of fat, the pemmican would store really well. It could even last for years, especially in cold climates. And they would use the pemmican either as an ingredient that they would then cook into other meals so they could break it off or crumble yeah. it into other things they were cooking, like a stuffing or, or anything they were making, uh, or they could eat it on their own as kind of a pack food, something you could travel with. And it was an important part of sort of indigenous cuisine, but one that early settlers, particularly fur traders and trappers used, because when they were out walking, and you know they didn't know where their next meal was going to be or if they could make a fire, but if they carried pemmican with them. And with the popularity of this whole keto movement, I've seen, it's not called pemmican, but I've seen similar foods uh, where they take things like uh, bison or venison and they mix it together with dried cherries or cranberries. Uh, And I think that's kind of cool. It's kind of like a a very early version of a keto power bar called pemmican. Yeah,
1: that makes total sense. Probably chewy. It's not quite jerky.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of fruity jerky with that layer yeah. of fat, which you know again might not be something you'd want on a menu. But I bet you, um, one of our our foodie chef friends could make a, a modern pemmican that people would stand in line for with a,
1: with a pemmican foam.
0: Yes, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly right with a pemmican <laughs> foam. Um, I would need that chef. Yeah, I'm yeah I'm, I'm glad we're past the foam uh, revolution <laughs> there. So. um Anyway, so the, uh, we see the first mention of, the, of cranberries in kind of early colonists in about the mid-1500s. Uh, but then in the first sort of cookbook, it was a book called New England Rarities Discovered. It describes cranberries. It says, quote, sauce for the pilgrims, cranberry or bearberry? It is a small trailing plant that grows in salt marshes that are overgrown with moss. The berries are of a pale yellow color, afterwards red, as big as a cherry, some perfectly round, others oval. All of them hollow with sour astringent taste. They are ripe in August and September. They are excellent against the scurvy. They are also good to allay the fervor of hoof diseases. Good to know. The Indians and English use them mush, boiling them with sugar for sauce to eat with their meat. And it is a delicate sauce, especially with roasted mutton. Some make tarts with them as with gooseberries." Yeah. So, that pretty much sums it up. I didn't know that it would uh, ward off the uh, hoof diseases, but uh, should my hooves have an issue, I know that I can uh, turn to the old uh, cranberries. But so they mentioned scurvy in there, right? And um, scurvy, you know, anytime I think of scurvy, especially with three children, I think of uh, pirates and you know, ultimately SpongeBob. But famously, scurvy was warded off with uh, with citrus fruits, right? So that's right, kind of what limes. we limes. Yep. But uh, in these northern climates, limes and oranges and all those things were not uh, easy to come by. But they would use then cranberries as their their way to kind of quell uh, scurvy and keep it at bay. Um, but the thing I think health wise that we all think of when it comes here it to, comes here yeah, it comes is the old uh, our friend the UT the UTI yep. and if you don't know what a UTI is well congratulations that means you've made it to this far in your life without having an infection of your urinary tract uh, and, and that's great uh, but a UTI uh, is a is a common problem in both men and women and kind of the you know the go-to remedy if somebody has a urinary tract infection would be cranberries or cranberry juice or cranberry extract or cranberry powder or cranberry pills uh but there was a big uh, in 2012 there was a big scientific review that sort of definitively concluded that there really is no evidence linking the consumption of cranberries and a reduction in utis but Despite that, it tends to be, um, you know, kind of the go to for those infections. And there are plenty of health food stores that are be happy to sell you any kind of cranberry concoction for any issues that you have with your plumbing, whether it works with or your not plumbing. Yeah. So that's the polite way to do it. So um, but as I mentioned up top, we uh, we do typically think of cranberries as a holiday food, but you can now get them year round, and they are fantastic. It's one of the few things that are just as good frozen as they are fresh. Uh, as far as how you utilize them, uh, you can also get them canned, uh, and, and I'm sure right. we'll talk about that going forward. Uh, but also as a juice, uh, you know, the juice is probably the most uh, the most consumed version of the cranberry. And uh, with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce the berry. Yeah, I will totally talk about the juice because I wanted to talk about
1: Ocean Spray because who are these people? Who are these monsters, Ocean Spray? I mean, this is a big company, right? So I looked into it and I actually learned quite a bit. Um, There were three independent cranberry growers and they formed a co-op. There's a cooperative to sell cranberries to keep the market kind of stable at the time. And now it's over 700 independent cranberry growers in North and South America. Interesting note, about half of which... Of those seven hundred are women-owned businesses. Nice, that that was interesting. Yeah, Um, has nothing to do with UTIs. It just happens to be. (laughs) So the main guy was Marcus uh, Uran. He oh stop it! I hadn't said his name out loud until (laughs) now. Let's call him Marcus Uran. Maybe I'm saying wrong. That's right. U R A N N. Holy (laughs) crap! Anyway, Marcus Uran gave us this for Thanksgiving. Marcus Uran was a lawyer. Uh, he, he left his legal career to buy a cranberry bog in Massachusetts, which I just think, like, I'd like a little more information on that, please. It's bizarre. <laughs> now, cranberries at around this time, they're only around for about six weeks, right? Uh, this is in the uh, late, late 1800s, early 1900s. It's a very short growing season, and you couldn't keep them fresh. So he was started canning them in 1912 and came to be known as the Cranberry King. So he's got a couple of people around him that are also vying for those titles. Elizabeth Lee was uh, finding a lot of damaged cranberries, and she was boiling them all, making them into a jelly and selling the jellied cran- cranberry sauce under the name Bog Sweet.
0: Bog Sweet. I love that. I love that. I wish someone would give me that nickname, Bog Sweet.
1: Yeah. you're. No, I'm not calling you that. <laughs> um And then there was also the Makepeace family. And the Makepeace family had more acres of cranberry bogs uh, than any other farm in the world. And they are still the world's largest cranberry grower. So Marcus Juran got all three of them together. They changed their name uh, to the National Cranberry Association in 1946 and to Ocean Spray in 1957. And a little interesting side note, Ocean Spray was actually the name of a Washington State fish company and Uran went to them and he bought the rights to the Ocean Spray name as well as that logo. It was the logo from this Washington State Fish Company.
0: That's a little odd. I, you know, as you say that the name Ocean Spray, I think of salty mist. Like Ocean Spray, I think of not 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 tart like a cranberry, not sweet like cranberry juice. I would think of salty. And so the fish thing makes more sense for the name. Just weird yeah. that he would take that and the logo. But okay,
1: right. But we're not going to. You know, nobody thinks of it now. It's kind of ubiquitous, right? Yep. Um, And at this point, they harvest about 700 million pounds of cranberries a year. So I'll give you a little timeline. In 1933, Uran develops, uh, I really, I I still can't stop thinking that his (laughs) name is Uran and it's cracking me up. I'm going to move on, move past it, Stephen. 1933, he develops the cranberry juice cocktail. And it was marketed as a sure relief from faintness, exhaustion, and thirst. A glass when retiring promotes sleep and a clean mouth in the morning, even to the smoker. And in 1939, they developed Ocean Spray Cran, which was more concentrated than the juice, and it was heavier and sweeter. And that was a syrup for mixed drinks. So I am a fan of Mr. Uran. Yeah, yeah. And in 1941, the jellied cranberry sauce becomes available in cans nationwide. And by the 1940s, it is a staple across the country. Now, today, Ocean Spray makes 88 million cans a year. Wow. And they sell about 75 million of those just over Thanksgiving and Christmas. Just for perspective, there are approximately 83 million families in the United States, and he's selling 75 million cans over the holidays. It's nearly one per family. Um, Now, is it a good food or is it a bad food? Instacart. Recently did a Turkey Day expose, actually just last month, and their their poll said that nearly half of Americans, 46%, find that cranberry, uh, canned cranberry sauce disgusting.
0: Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a giant fan. I, I refer to it as canberry sauce, if someone brings that, especially when people just slide it out of the can and leave it in canned shape and it's still got like the rings. I mean, at least have the- That's what people
1: to... want. There's a ah. nostalgia to that. Now, one of the things that people like about it is that it isn't a sauce, right? There's no juice that's going to run into your other foods. It stands alone on the plate as a solid. Um, and the other thing that has going for it is nostalgia. If your family was the the Ridge um, Berry Jello folks- then it's nostalgic if your family wasn't. You don't have the nostalgia, right? Because it's, it's not a jelly; it's a solid. Some people call it a log. Yeah,
0: and that I doesn't see that. help. No, that doesn't help,
1: does it? No. Some say it's an abomination, but I say it is a feat of American ingenuity and engineering. <laughs> okay. In fact, only American. They don't even sell it overseas in it a can. It's jarred, um, but it is one of the only dishes on our Thanksgiving table that is always purchased right? If, if Very few people make their own cranberry sauce from fresh. Um, in fact, of the cranberries that become the, the juice or the craisins or the cran- canned uh, jellied cranberry sauce, only 5% of America's total crop is sold as fresh. Cranberries. That,
0: that we'll might find. be me buying it. I might be the 5% because I love it. And it's so easy to make that it is a shame. Shame on you people for not making your own cranberry sauce. It is so easy. One little bag, a cup of liquid. It can be triple sec. It can be orange juice. It could even be water, a cup of sugar, and you boil it and boom, it's done. And it is so damn good. Make your own cranberry sauce. Sorry. I,
1: I agree. I mean we do we do a big Thanksgiving takeaway every year where people order the food by the pound and then come and pick it up. It's actually one of the more fun things we do because on Thanksgiving morning everybody comes in and they're all jolly and we're like, here's your turkey um, And Dan will make a homemade cranberry apple relish which is kind of chunkier and I really like that a lot but my favorite he does a gingered pear cranberry sauce with slices of pear in there that's really delicious. But that that jellied cranberry sauce um, is, first of all, let me, let me backtrack and tell you that it takes 200 cranberries to make one can. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise the ingredients are cranberries, high fructose corn syrup, then water, and then back to more corn syrup. Wow. Yeah. Gross. Right.
0: I don't know. It's it, not my thing. It should be called the cranberry corn log.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, uh, yes, I think that there is a, a band by that name already. So <laughs> in 2018, uh um, The biggest can of cranberry sauce, we have to talk about this, in Times Square at Ripley's, believe it or not, they had a can from our friends at Ocean Spray, 500 pounds. Wow. Yeah, I gotta say though, it wasn't as big as I expected. It was only probably, you know, like waist high. I expected it was gonna be much huger for 500 pounds. And then I found this video of the event where people are, at the end, they're all tasting it, and they're all standing around this red jelly tub of death can (laughs) and just putting their spoons in it. I was like, this is not, this is not an appetizing video.
0: No, although I'm sure some people would pay money to see that on there. There's some OnlyFans uh, people that would probably pay money to see people eating uh, big spoonfuls of gelatinous red gloop. Uh, But no, not for me.
1: Um, And so why is it always served at Thanksgiving? One of the reasons that came about was Ulysses S. Grant. He served it to the troops during the siege of Petersburg. And that was, uh, that was one of the reasons that this is now always served alongside Turkey. Or as in the 1940s, to get back to the timeline of these folks, what they were trying to do was pair it with uh, chicken. So they're trying to pair it with poultry, right? So you're thinking about pork and applesauce or lamb and mint jelly. So Ocean Spray, the cooperative, is how do we make chicken always go with cranberries so they mounted a year-long advertising campaign this is like the best information in the whole podcast so just pull your car over and listen they mounted a year-long advertising campaign about a chicken that was in love with a cranberry yes you heard me and as part of this ad campaign the chicken is writing romantic poems to the cranberry what butter is oh i have to do a chicken voice What butter is to biscuits, what honey is to a bee, what syrup is to pancakes, cranberry is to me. (laughs) That's my chicken voice. And so it all climaxed in the 1948 Massachusetts Cranberry Festival at the marriage of cranberry sauce and chicken. And uh, it was described as a colorful ceremony that brought to a close the cranberry festival. The little white hen and the little red cranberry became flavor mates forever and vowed to always appear on the dinner tables of the nation.
0: That's a little. That's a little creepy. Anytime you have a food item that's talking about us eating it or it being delicious right, paired with some right? other food, that's just weird. Especially when and you the chicken is
1: like, "I always want to be on your table with yeah, cranberry." No, yeah, I it's want, not right.
0: I, Please eat me. And while you're doing so, and have some cranberry sauce. Yeah,
1: my, my, I get it. no wedded
0: spouse. It's a delicious combination. I will give them that. But once you sort of uh, try to anthropomorphize the chicken, enjoying the idea of it being eaten with a cranberry, you've, you've, you've jumped the shark, so to speak.
1: Yes. And I, the shark is in love with the lime, which was a completely different thing. That was, uh, that, that was up in Rhode Island. Uh, That one. So as we're talking about them appearing on the tables nationwide, do you know which state eats the uh, most of the canned cranberry sauce? Hans Rufert from uh, Jasper, Georgia, do you know which state?
0: Well, I was about to say something northern, but the fact that you actually just had to uh, emphasize that I'm from Jasper, Georgia, makes me think that I am in the midst of canned cranberry land.
1: You are surrounded by canned (laughs) cranberries. Don't move. So, now why is this? So, for this answer, we go to the director of global affairs for Ocean Spray, Kellyanne Dignan. And when we ask her why, why Georgia, she says, I don't know. It's just always been true.
0: Well, uh, I'm glad she got her job because she must have tenure because that's not a great answer.
1: (laughs) All right. So in the mid-60s, the company is branching out again. Now they go into the consumer drink market with Cran Apple and later Cran Raspberry. And if we're going to talk about Cran Raspberry, you know what we have to talk about, do you? The viral video, Nathan Apodaca. I remember that. Yeah, this was cool. So it's uh, September in 2020, uh, Nathan Apodaca, who... By the, by the way, he goes by the moniker 420 Dogface 208 because there was, I guess, 207 420 dog faces before him <laughs> on TikTok. He did this TikTok video of himself longboarding to work. His uh, truck had broken down in the middle of the road. And so he gets on his longboard and he's sipping Ocean Sprays, Cran raspberry juice, and lip syncing to Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. It went so viral, it got 60 million
0: views on TikTok. TikTok went so.
1: It went, you know what? I'm not even going to go back and fix that. We'll just. I don't think
0: it. you should because it just kind of shows that the TikTok is not. You are not the demographic. That I, am watches. Not the I am not the guy.
1: I'm not the guy, people. Nope. I'm still on the book of faith. So, the Fleetwood Mac song also got a big bump. It was released in '77, for 43 years ago. What is that now? Now 40. Yeah, 43, yeah. 44 years ago. It climbed back to uh, Billboard's top 100. A 374% jump in sales. Wow. (laughs) So all these people start doing the dog face challenge, the hashtag dog face challenge. Oh, I feel so stupid saying that. Um, (laughs) Dr. Phil did it on a golf cart, which is the lamest thing ever. There was a kid with a feeding tube and he had it in his, in his uh, feeding tube syringe thing, which was like amazing.
0: Yeah, it is amazing. Um,
1: Ocean sprays chief executive, Tom Hayes, who, you know, I got to say watching videos on him. I thought this guy is extremely rich and, Pretty cool. Uh, and Mick Fleetwood did one, Singing Dreams. But do you know who did not do it? Stevie Nicks.
0: Oh, that's unfortunate.
1: No. Why do you think she didn't do that?
0: I Because she's uh, a fairy and she lives in fairyland and she couldn't come back from fairyland. <laughs>
1: No, because she needed to take a break before becoming the
0: subject for today's
1: stop the Strikeout. Oh, my God.
0: I know nothing about Stevie Nicks. Um, Stevie
1: Nicks. She's been associated with what Broadway musical production? It's a 2015 rock musical with music by Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's based on, and this is where you may get it, a 2003 Jack Black film in which he plays Edge of Seventeen on a jukebox for Joan Cusack, who says, and here's my Joan Cusack impression, would it be
0: educational?
1: Seventeen.
0: So you're saying- is the musical? You're saying Jack Black, and uh, could that be School of Rock? Yes, School of oh, Rock. All wow. wow. right, that's the second one you got in a, in a row. But, but now, listen, I did not even know it was a musical, so the, your hint gave it to me. You give it. You're, you're lobbing me. Your hints are too good. If you're trying to stump me, your hints are too good. I, I mean, oh, I really I'm, all right. I'm, I'll get on. Yeah, I'm super so, proud that I got it. But
1: that's two in a row. You got School of Rock this week
0: and last week you got Moulin Rouge.
1: Moulin Rouge.
0: And, you and listen, that. okay, you're but you, if if you listeners could see my face. When the Moulin Rouge, I knew it was the place in Paris with the windmill and the dancing, but I could not pull that name until the last second. My face was literally—I was
1: doing a countdown. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and I looked like I was having a seizure. I was like squinting my face up so badly because I I, was—I—I knew it was in my brain somewhere. Um, So I'm sorry that you couldn't watch that. uh, The torture. That's seizure. That's seizure.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. So back to the hashtag dog face challenge. Um, because of all of this, uh, the. Ocean Spray Cooperative gave uh, Apodaca a new cranberry-colored pickup truck.
0: That's sweet. I know it
1: was a happy ending. Yeah, that was sweet. Uh, and the last thing that they were kind of figuring out to do, because you know, here's here's your you know your friendly little cranberry, and they're trying to think of all these different ways to use it. So in the nineties, they developed craisins. So the canned cranberry sales are beginning to decline as uh, customers are looking more, for more fresher ingredients. So they tried offering dried cranberries, or as they called them, craisins, but mostly as a baking ingredient. So within 10 years, they're selling about 20 million pounds. Um, then they work on the craisins and change it from a baking ingredient to a healthy snack And the sales increases more than tenfold to 250 million pounds. Wow. Really, really smart marketing move. Now, here is, this is the greatest. Do you remember the California Raisins story? Of
0: course. I still have nightmares about them. But yes, (laughs) of course, I remember (laughs) them.
1: The, The commercial, I said story, but yeah, the California Raisins commercial. Yep. Heard it through the grapevine. So the California Raisin Advisory Board, if you don't know this, people, there was a 1980s push Advertising uh, push for raisins, and they had like these little uh, what were they animated raisins? Yeah, claymation, like claymation raisins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Singing heard it through the grapevine, and it was really cool, and it was very, very successful for the California raisin folks. So what Ocean Spray's doing with craisins really, really fried the president of the National Raisin Company. So he says. All the millions we've spent on advertising to build the raisin industry, and they come along and they put a C in front of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, they didn't trademark all of the other alphabet uh, letters uh-huh. in front of the word uh, raisin. They could it. have. They could have.
1: Well, they considered suing for that, but they ultimately didn't. But ironically, SunSuite, the other company, SunSweet, they put out a dried a cranberry product that they called Cranlings. And Ocean Spray sued them because they do have a trademark on Cran, and they won.
0: Wow, that's impressive.
1: Yeah. Um, sadly, though, farmers were starting to suffer because of crazins. The Ocean Spray farmers massively incru- increased the cranberry production. So in the dehydration process, all of the liquid is sucked out of the cranberry, right? A portion is re-added along with sugar and flavoring. And then that liquid mainly is turned into cranberry concentrate that goes into all of those juice products. So Ocean Spray says, well, this is a great thing for the farmers, they've got two revenue streams here. Now, with the sales of the craisins increasing and juice sales stagnating, Ocean Spray is left with a massive surplus of the cranberry concentrate. So in 2009, they begin to publicly auction off all of their surplus concentrate at lower prices because it's being auctioned, right? So that drives the sale prices down. And so all of the farmers that are not working with craisins are stuck with a terrible price on the juice that they're trying to make. So there was some lawsuits with that too. It was, it's pretty sad, but that's, uh, that's the farmer situation.
0: That's the way the, uh, the craisin crumbles or bounces. That's the way the berry bounces, I guess. <laughs> or, uh, splats, or splats. Or splats in this case, yeah. So I've got one last quiz for you.
1: Ocean Spray has recently entered the market with a cranberry-based gummy. Do you know about this? No, I have not heard about this. It's a new brand called Dably. Now, this Dably gummy, tell me what it is. Is it A, a Flintstones vitamin ripoff, B, edible sunscreen, C, cran raspberry CBD, or D, a food-safe tongue dye?
0: Wow. Um, well, given that it is 2021, as we're having this conversation, and there is CBD in every damn thing, uh, I'm going to guess, just to be on timely, it is uh, a cran raspberry CBD gummy.
1: Right. Of course. Makes perfect sense, right? except that it's not. Oh. Dabbly, dabbly is edible sunscreen. Whoa. I know, people. I, I, I don't want to do this as you're driving and you're suddenly swerving into traffic going, what the, what the edible sunscreen? I, There's accidents. I thought this was edible a joke.
0: that was the joke answer. Like, as I'm looking through that list, that's the first one I discounted. I didn't know that was a thing.
1: I know they're meant to act like sunscreen, except you pop one into your mouth and Ocean Spray's chief growth officer wants it to disrupt the sun care market. I mean, wow. it's
0: disrupting my dreams. <laughs> yeah, it's my my afternoon. Uh, so how does that work? Do you have any? Oh, cl- I don't. What, what am I? What am I? What, what, what am I? I'm like I mean, the sunscreen doctor. I just thought, you know, just roughly the, how I'm the, it work? I'm the
1: Fauci of the cranberry. I don't Ma- know how the sunscreen works. Well, hey,
0: maybe it gives you a urinary tract infection and then you feel so poorly you have to stay indoors and you don't get sunburned. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Uh, before we go on to, uh, on to our recipe section, I have one final disconnected thought that didn't fit into anywhere, and I just got to put it out because I don't know how many of you will know this, but do you know at the end of Strawberry Fields Forever when the music is from the Beatles Magical Mystery Tour, and the music at the end goes like really kind of uh, kind of hippie, trippy. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And apparently that's when Lennon is saying, I buried Paul. I buried Paul yeah, I've heard I mean, that the whole time yeah, that yeah. they said that Paul uh, Paul McCartney was actually dead John Lennon was interviewed and he said that it's not what he was saying he was saying cranberry sauce cranberry <laughs> sauce
0: uh are you sure he wasn't saying cranberry sunscreen because <laughs> that makes just as much sense <laughs> no, as any of those
1: that's he used to put in some like strange things just for you know, craps and giggles and at the end of strawberry fields john lennon is not saying i buried polly saying cranberry sauce and uh you know somewhere i guess we probably have to put that a link to that actual audio because i'm sure a lot of people are not believing me now that they're pulled over in the car after that whole sunscreen incident okay so that's the end of that let's go on and to talk about some uh some recipes
0: the only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you cook I like the way you say recipes better I, I listened to the podcast last week and when i said it it sounded aggressive so i i think you should be the guy that introduces the recipes i don't know why
1: well i will do that and i will also be the only one to say thanksgiving properly
0: damn it i'm, I'm gonna be so self-conscious about how i uh, talk about uh, turkey day and i don't like to call it turkey day because as you know i have a pet turkey named figgy uh and we'll have to share a picture of figgy uh, i have not eaten turkey in probably three three and a half years uh, now, because Figgy is such a nice bird, and I'm Ooh. sure he would be delicious with cranberries, but um, not gonna eat him. Uh, <laughs> but so, uh, talking about uh, turkey. So on Thanksgiving, my uh, my wife Amy, her grandmother um, Grace lived down in Statesboro, Georgia. Uh, you up north might call it Statsboro or something. I don't know how. He, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about pronunciation, but we would go down there for the day of thanks. Uh, and, uh, it's close to Savannah, so it's on your way down South Georgia, and it's flat as can be. There's nothing to see but just pine forests, and, and, uh, it's just, it's neat. It's a neat part of, uh, of Georgia. Uh, that most people just drive right through but they would have this very southern cranberry gathering the whole family would come some people would bring blue crabs that they would cook in a, in a stock pot outside some people would bring venison uh of course they would oh, do your turkeys. charming
1: country music song life. Oh, wait, wait, boy.
0: <laughs> uh, there were plenty of pickup trucks and even some uh, budweiser on hand but um grace would make this amazing cranberry orange cake i mean it was really one of those things i could skip the entire meal and go straight to the cake and it was sticky and um, i'm gonna share the recipe it's in my cookbook Uh, But I'll put the whole thing up there. It's one of those things I look forward to. It's got dates in there. It's got pecans in there. And then you make this orange juice sugar mix that you pour on top of the cake and you collect the drippings from that and you pour it back on top of the cake. Um, So you have to have paper towels handy because as you eat it, it kind of sticks to your fingers. Uh, And this was the kind of celebration where you didn't have, you know, a lot of utensils or you saved the same fork throughout the meal. Um, but it was the highlight of the trip, and Grandma Grace is no longer with us, but her cranberry orange cake is, and I hope that it becomes a part of your Thanksgiving? Is that the right? No, where do you put the emphasis? Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving. <laughs> Uh, I hope it becomes a part of your holiday tradition because it's great at Christmas. It's great in July, um, and it's tons of orange zest, and it it is really one of my favorite foods on the planet. So I'll share that with you guys on the on the website. That
1: sounds so good. It's got that kind of southern hummingbird cake kind yeah. of vibe going on with all of the the the, the kind of syrup going in yep. on, afterwards. And when you said that it's kind of sticky, I was on board because I, I like frosting with cake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I really I don't like dry cakes. Uh, I don't like naked cakes, I like a lot of frosting, but when it's described as sticky, I'm like, okay, okay, I will, well, I will try that. That's that the Brit st- in you because,
0: you know, Brits love their sticky toffee puddings and all of those things, right? So that's, I guarantee you, that's in your DNA. You've got sticky you know, DNA, Steve, you got sticky it's DNA.
1: in a, st- a sticky thicket. Um, so my cocktail this week, I don't really have much of a, a story to tell you beforehand, but it's something that we used to do at our restaurant. Um, over the holidays. And we do it at a lot of weddings actually, because at this time of year, when people are getting married, they will want something kind of seasonal, but not too on point for a signature drink. And we make a cranberry spiced syrup. So it's cranberry and black pepper and cloves. Uh, We boil that down into a syrup. Now, all you have to do is add that to vodka and top it with club soda. And you've got a really fun seasonal drink that's not too heavy before a big dinner. Uh, you don't want something if, if you're having cocktails first, which we always do. It's nice to have something a little lighter. Um, and it goes it goes kind of well with everything because it's not too sweet because you've topped it with the club soda. But and it's a really easy one to do. So I'm going to put that recipe up and uh, I would tell you what the name is, but it doesn't really have a name. Well, I'm going to call it the Thanksgiving Cooler.
0: <laughs> uh, or you could, you could, uh, you could, here's an idea I'll bounce off of. You could call it the bounce berry, um, uh, which, which just gave, that sounds delicious, but I just had an idea. I'm going to invite our listeners. Uh, to join us on social media with the hashtag bounceberry. I want to see somebody make a video of bouncing cranberries. It can be in slow motion. It can be, uh, you know, it can be a Rube Goldberg device. I just want to see if cranberries actually bounce. Uh, So somebody out there, indulge me, make me laugh, and make a cranberry bounce and put on their, uh, you know, tag us hashtag bounceberry. Uh, There's your challenge. And if nobody does it, I'll do it. But I want to see a, a berry bounce.
1: Okay. All right. I love it. So if you are interested in these recipes and why, why would you not be interested in these recipes, I want you to go to our website and you can go and get a whole bunch of recipes there at ButEyeDigestPodcast.com. If you would like to email us and tell us how you really say Ann's name or urine's name, you look it up, you tell me. That's ButEyeDigestPodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, see us on Twitter at Bud Digest Pod, Instagram at Bud Digest Podcast. Uh, also on our website, you're going to find a link to Hans' line of spices, as well as a link to download my cocktail book, The New Old Bar. And as always, special thanks to our web designer, Hewitt Rabel, to our editor, Natalie DeChico. Special music by Corey Goodrich, and our theme music is by Brian Reyes.
0: And given that, uh, again, we are recording this in November, it's kind of my duty to remind you that uh, Stomach Cancer Awareness Month is November. And I know that sounds like such a downer, uh, but I try to be the optimistic, positive side of that. I'm a guy that survived gastric cancer, and I'm here to tell about it, and I'm here to to laugh at myself and at my friend Steve uh, every now and then. Uh, And it's partly thanks to the good work done by the Gastric Cancer Foundation. So I'm going to invite you guys to visit gastriccancer.org where you can uh, show your support year round it doesn't have to be just in the month of november and uh, there's a whole bunch of videos on there that i do a nutritional series called the gesundheit kitchen um and a lot of good inspirational stories but i guarantee you you know someone that uh, has been affected by gastric cancer and if you don't you do now because i was right right uh, yeah exactly so you are now initiated and i hope that i'm the only example of it that um, that you ever have to encounter but um, we need your support. We need some funding and to continue doing the work that we've done for the past, uh, you know, almost 15 years. So uh, thanks for that. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys next time here at But I Digest. Are we done oh, here? And happy, oh. yeah,
1: we are done here. Happy Thanksgiving.